Hey everybody, this is Bob Z, the pastor of Joy Christian Fellowship. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast. I hope it's a word that will encourage you today. Let's remember in these challenging times we're living that God is still in control and that his love for us endures forever. Amen. God bless. Uh, so our, our theme today is peace. We're going to be in Isaiah 26, Philippians 4, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear what your spirit is speaking to this church today on this, this Sunday of peace, this fourth and, and last Sunday of the season of Advent. And Lord, I, I hope and pray that we have just been able to remember this this peaceful light coming from candles that we slow down long enough and not get caught up in all the all the running here and running there. Even when we try to simplify things, it seems this is such a busy time of year. So give us ears now. Tune us in. We want to hear from heaven. In Christ's name, amen. All right. In the 26th chapter of the book of Isaiah, the prophet said to God in verse 3 these words, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. The Isaiah chapter 26 is actually a song. It's a song of praise and trust. It's a meditation of God's goodness. And verse 3 tells us that our Heavenly Father will keep all those who trust in him in perfect peace. All whose thoughts are fixed on him. So let me ask you, do you, do you have that perfect peace this morning? On this Sunday of peace? Or are we just a li- little on edge? Just, a, just a, a little grumpy, a little stressed, a little uptight, a little sleep deprived? I mean, we may give the p- appearance that we're doing pretty good on the outside, right? I look like I'm doing okay on the outside, right? But, but you never know. Just under the surface, there, there could be a flare-up, a, a potential flare-up that if the wrong thing is said or, or something doesn't go right, that, that's just enough to cause it to erupt. How many of you know what I'm talking about, stuff like that? Yeah. When somebody can just get on your last nerve and, and boom, you, you lose it. So, so maybe we're doing pretty good this morning. I mean, after all, this is Christmas week, right? But we know... We're not experiencing that perfect peace that Isaiah talks about. Because I don't know about you, but my mind is usually going 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions. And it's hard to have perfect peace when all that activity is taking place up here. I've been accused of not having much activity taking place up here before. But, man, life is busy. We're all busy, right? God's not impressed with how busy we are, by the way. But it seems like once we hit Thanksgiving, man, it is practically nonstop action until sometime into the new year. That's why I really like this wreath. And um, no, it's just a symbol, right? It's just something to remind us. It's, it's this soothing visual reminder to slow down, refocus on what this is all about, and more importantly, who this is all about. You will keep in perfect peace all, not just some, all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. That word fixed. When our, when our thoughts are fixed on something or someone, we're focused. We're, we're tuned in. I could be focused on this. I could be locked in 
and my, my words and my eyes can be fixed here where I don't see anything else going on around. When you're fixed on something or someone, you're not easily distracted. You don't lose the attention. So, so let me ask you, who or what, what have our thoughts been fixed on this week? Yeah. What were you thinking about as you drove up here and pulled into the parking lot and got out of your car and walked up the sidewalk and came through those blue doors? Maybe you're thinking, man, Christmas is next Sunday. I got so much to do before next Sunday. Maybe your thoughts are fixed on that right now. Let's put all that stuff aside for right now and give God our undivided attention because he's worth it. You know what I was thinking about driving up here? Do you know what my thoughts were fixed on? Jesus. No, not really. They should have been. I was wondering if the heat would be on. I was wondering if this auditorium was going to be trashed. I was wondering if there'd be toilet paper in the bathrooms. You ought to see this place some mornings when Bobby and I first walk in. But they're doing a better job. I was hoping people would show up. I know it was cold, and, and I was hoping all the electrical and audio and video, and all the lighting would work well. Now, Bobby and I still prayed on the drive up here. We still declared, Lord, we're entering your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We're entering your courts with praise when we drove through the gates. Anybody else do that this morning? Yes. Yes. <laughs> we do it. I know Rob does it, and Rob's not here, but let's do that. Can you imagine the difference that'll make if every one of us did that on the way in here? <coughs> Excuse me. We still prayed over the campus as we drove through the parking lot and up to those front doors. And we you know, still anointed the doors before we came into the building, but my thoughts were not fixed on God. I needed to slow down. I needed to go back outside and get in that cold air and refocus and refocus my thoughts on him so I would have more of his peace before I got up here. Because I need more of his peace in my life, don't you? Well, the prophet Isaiah gives us the remedy for being stressed and uptight and distracted or on edge or being anxious. Look at that verse again, Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. You know, the Apostle Paul, he had a few things to say about peace and being uptight or anxious. This is a pretty familiar passage for a lot of us. Look at Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Paul writes, do not be anxious about anything. Right? We might think, well, that's easy for you to say, Paul. You don't know what I'm dealing with right now. Well, that's true. He doesn't, but his life was full of hardship. His life was nothing easy. And when he wrote these words, he's in a Roman jail. And there was a real possibility he'd be put to death at any moment. So he knew a thing or two about stressful situations because he had seen a thing or two. Do not be anxious about anything, he says, from a Roman prison. But what? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. That same verse in the New Living Translation reads, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. See, Paul's advice is to turn our worries into prayers. 
Because let's face it, we all have worries. My mom was the biggest worrier I ever met, worried about all kinds of things. And I remember telling her one day, hey, Ma, you ever notice all those things you worried about for all those years, none of them ever happened? And she said, yeah, see, it was a good thing I worried about them. I said, no, no, you're missing the whole point. You didn't have to worry about them. But we all have worries. We, we all get anxious at times. Fear creeps up on us sometimes, whether it's our health, our finances, something about our loved ones. It may be about work or a lack of work. It may be about school. It may be about home or family or some other relationship. So to say, don't worry about anything or do not be anxious about anything. That's a lot easier said than done, isn't it? How many know it's a whole lot easier to quote this scripture than it is to live it out, right? Man. But the Bible tells us, do not be anxious about anything. That's a tough one. We're not to live with anxiety. We're not to worry so much. We're not to be nervous or fearful. So, I don't know, maybe it's a matter of trust or a lack of trust. Do we really trust in God's sovereignty? Do we trust his wisdom and his goodness and his faithfulness to provide when it doesn't look like things are coming in? I mean, I know some people don't tithe because they don't trust God will provide for them. Talk to my wife, Bobby, about that one. Man, <coughs> we learned that lesson the hard way. But once you learn a lesson like that, you don't forget it. And uh, I encourage you to teach, teach that to your children and your grandchildren. Lord's proven his faithfulness to us, gosh, ever since we turned to him and said, okay, we're going to trust you in this. Some of you experienced that too. He's proven his faithfulness over and over to provide for us. What does it say about our trust in God's ability to take care of us if we're anxious, worried, and nervous, and fearful all the time? Does worrying help us? If you ask my mom, she'd say, yeah. But Jesus asks us, it's not on the screen, Luke 12, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? A single hour to your life by worrying. In fact, worrying can only do us harm. I mean, it's been medically proven that stress and worry and anxiety are destructive to our physical health, right? It affects our blood pressure. It affects our immune system. It affects our hearts. And it can contribute to a whole lot of other ailments. And it's destructive to our spiritual health as well. Do not be anxious about anything but what? But in everything, everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Don't leave out the thanksgiving because there's power in thanksgiving. Present your request to God and the peace of God. That's what we're talking about this morning, peace. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, which means it's far more wonderful than we can understand, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. There's a bridge. bridge that gets us from being anxious to experiencing God's peace. And that bridge is prayer and thanksgiving, right? So our focus needs to be on the Lord instead of our circumstances all the time. Our, our minds and our thoughts need to be focused on God instead of ourselves. And it's our prayers and it's our, our thankfulness that opens the door to God's peace. His peace, not the world's, His peace. The peace that passes understanding. See, if my thoughts and your thoughts 
are occupied by worry and fear and anxiety, there's no way we can be focused on the goodness of God. When we're anxious or worried, we lose sight of him. And we may be tempted to handle our situation with our own wisdom and our own strength instead of God's. We might try to correct our external circumstances when just maybe, just maybe, our circumstances were allowed by the Lord to correct our internal condition. God maybe want to do some heart surgery on us, but when we're not focused on him and we give in to our own little pity party, we could lose sight of his goodness and, and we can become ungrateful and negative and we can complain instead of being thankful. It's difficult to experience God's peace when we're ungrateful and negative all the time. And that leaves our hearts and our minds open to spiritual attack. Because Paul tells us that this peace, this peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts. It, it'll guard our minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, think about it. What does a guard do? Guard protects, right? He protects and prevents break-ins. A guard prevents theft. The peace of God acts like that guard, a security guard or a soldier on guard to protect our hearts and our minds. I hope that makes sense. God's peace will prevent the enemy from breaking in and stealing from us. And his peace will not allow anxiety and fear and worry to sneak back in. Hey, the peace of God, oh man, the peace of God is so much stronger than the worry and fear of the flesh. So it is possible. It's not easy, but it is possible for us to experience that perfect inner peace in the midst of the most trying circumstances. I've experienced it before, and I hope you have too. When Amy was 18 months old, she had this deformity in her neck. It was called a congenital torticollis. And one side of her neck wasn't developing properly, and it started tipping her head to the side. And, and I was prideful in my faith. Oh, God's going to heal her. We don't need no doctor. God's going to heal her. And it got to the point where her eyes started compensating for the tilt in her head. So when her head was straight, her eyes weren't even. I went, oh my gosh. And we went to see this Christian doctor. He was so kind. I was so arrogant. And he told me, Mr. Z, uh, you go home and pray about it. And if, if we can help you, call me. And, and I had to realize, you know, God chooses the way to heal, <laughs> not Bob. And, uh, and he fixed her. He fixed her. But I know that day, she's a year and a half old, and it's time for her to go into surgery. And Bobby and I are standing with her, and she's starting to nod off from the um, anesthesia. And here comes the doctor. And uh, he says, we're ready. And Bobby's knees kind of buckled, you know. I said, that's my baby. And I said, she's in good hands, doc. And he just kind of nodded, and off they went, and the door is closed. And I had to take Bobby back to the room because she had to sit down. But I was fine. It was like, I was like, this has got to be the peace that passes understanding. I'm not nervous. I'm not fretting because where they had a cut was real close to the jugular vein. And we were kind of worried about that, but thinking... But man, God gave me that peace that we're talking about today. I haven't had it a lot since then, but I had it that day, so I know it's real. And uh, I hope you've experienced it at some time. It doesn't seem possible. It doesn't seem rational at times. It, it doesn't make sense. 
but I know it's real, and I guess that's why Paul describes it as a peace that passes all understanding, because we can't understand it. But I know it's real, and I know it only comes from him. Remember what Isaiah said to God back in Isaiah 26. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So I'll ask again, what are your thoughts fixed on this morning? Who are your thoughts fixed on? Who or what are you thinking about most of the time? Paul gives us a list of things we should think about in verse 8 of Philippians 4. It's a list of things we need to be thinking about if we want that peace of God. And I tell you, Bobby and I, we got to remind each other every once in a while we catch ourselves complaining, being negative. Like, no, don't think on those things. Think on these things. Look at verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things we need to be spending more time thinking about. That's a lot to think about in that verse. Now, this is just the opposite of that old saying, garbage in, garbage out, right? This is good stuff in, good stuff out. What we put in our minds, what we put in our thoughts, what our thoughts are fixed on determines what comes out of our, in our words and in our actions and our attitudes. And Paul starts this by saying we should think on things that are true. What a perfect place to start with truth. If we don't start there, none of it, the rest of it's going to make sense. To think about truth, first we have to find truth. We have to know truth. Because people are seeking for truth in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places. And I've heard the argument, that may be true for you, but it's not true for me. How many have heard that before? <laughs> That's your truth, buddy, not mine. Yeah, I hear you. A lot of people are believing a lie, and I have to guard myself that I'm not believing a lie sometimes. I don't mean about God's word, but about some other things. And Jesus tells us, not on the screen, John 14, he's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one, no one, no one, no one comes to the Father except through him. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. So Jesus is not just a truth. He is the truth. And he tells the truth all the time. Can you find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus told a lie? I can't. So the more we get to know Jesus and his truth, the easier it will be to know a lie, right? Wendy worked at a bank. They, they studied counterfeit bills. No, they study a real bill, right? So they know when a counterfeit shows up, uh, ah, that, one, that one's not right. So we need to know the truth so it's easier to pick out a lie. So let's take Paul's good advice. Let's think about what is true. Next on his list is noble. Noble means having high moral principles and values. That's rare these days. Our modern culture seems to enjoy making fun or ridiculing people who, who have high moral principles and values. See, our moral standard comes out of God's word, not what comes out of Netflix, okay? Think about things that are noble. And Paul also says we should think about things that are right. I know you can get a lot of discussion on that one. I believe God's created us to know the difference between right and wrong at a very early age. You see it all the time in young children. Two years old or younger, they know when they're choosing to do something wrong. Right? But there again, 
Plenty of intelligent adults who will argue just because you say it's wrong doesn't mean it's wrong for me. But you know, it doesn't really matter if you or I say it's right or wrong. It matters what God's word says. We need to ask God, show us. Show us, is this right? Is this wrong? And then think on those things. The fourth thing Paul tells us to think on are the things that are pure. Pure things are free from impurities or things that can be added to the original substance. Our thought life as Christ followers should be pure, free from the impurities of the world's way of thinking. The fifth thing we should think on are things that are lovely. You know, there's a lot of lovely things in the world. You don't hear a whole lot about it on the evening news. But there's incredible stories. Every once in a while you can hear a good story. Incredible stories of people helping others, of children enduring hardship but have a huge smile on their face. Our, our buddy from India, Pramod, he posts lots of beautiful photos of orphans in very, very needy situations. Most of them aren't wearing shoes. They're not wearing clothes they got to pick. These were clothes they were given. Here, put this on. They don't have many personal items of their very own, but the smiles on their faces. <laughs> These kids are grinning from ear to ear. Those faces are lovely. The beauty of creation all around us is lovely. All of you bringing new shoes and socks in August for Shoes for Orphan Souls in this stage is lined up with shoes and socks. That's lovely. The dresses that Wendy got a group of ladies to make to send with Laura back to India a couple years back, that's lovely. And then to see a picture of these girls wearing those dresses that you ladies made, that's lovely. So there's a lot of lovely things in the world, but there's also a lot of ugly things in the world. People hurting children, people hurting each other, people stealing from others, greed, jealousy, Envy, hatred, violence, human trafficking, sex abuse, manipulation. You know, there's a lot of ugly stuff. He said, if there's anything lovely, think on these things. Praying for complete strangers at the block party, Halloween night. That was lovely. What we're going to do Tuesday night at the apartments in Charleston. Handing out some food, but praying with people. Talking to people in our community. That's, that's going to be lovely. To think on those things, those ugly things, though, can affect your emotions, can affect your habits, your actions. Paul says, think on the things that are lovely, not ugly. Sometimes, you know, it's good to be informed. Sometimes you just need to shut that stuff off. And then Paul tells us to think about things that are admirable. What do we appreciate and admire in this life? Could it be just a simple act of giving of ourselves instead of just throwing some money at a problem? Is, is it taking time out of our busy schedule to help someone or, or just to spend some time with them, to encourage them, to pray with them, to have a cup of coffee with them, to show them that somebody really does care? The most admirable act of caring for others there ever was or ever will be is Christ coming to earth, right? doing everything he did while he was here. He completed the work the Father gave him to do, from that smelly manger to the cross to the empty tomb. Jesus did it all. That's far beyond admirable. <laughs> That's what we should think about. The Apostle Paul said, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 
Who's more excellent or more praiseworthy than Jesus? What is more excellent than coming to a point in your life when you realize this life's not all about you? It's about serving others, helping others. What's more praiseworthy than a person, young or old, coming to saving faith in Christ? Repenting of their sin and asking Jesus into their hearts. If, if you haven't done that by, oh man, if you haven't done that yet in your life, I'd like to know why, why not? I'd like to know what else needs to happen before you're ready for that because time is short, folks. Uh, I'm just speaking truth here. Talk to me about that if you're not sure. Those are the things we need to be thinking about. And then look what Paul writes in verse 9. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And here's the payoff Paul's been getting around to. And the God of what? The God of peace will be with you. Oh, the God of peace. You know, sometimes the best way to learn anything is by example. Rob's from Missouri, and the Missouri is called the show me state. It's like their motto, show me. I'm not from Missouri. I'm from New Jersey. I think our motto is get off my lawn. But if you want to teach me something, show me. Don't just tell me. Show me how to do it. Talking about the peace of God and how, how he'll keep us in perfect peace if we trust in him and fix our, our thoughts on him, that's great, talking about that. Talking about if we'll think on things that fit these eight categories that Paul lists in verse 8, that's great too, but What's better than me just standing up here talking about it is for me to, to show you, right? To show you with my life. To live it out as Paul did and more importantly as Jesus did. And that's my goal, to be more like that. And sometimes I get it right and sometimes I get it wrong. And I'm still trying to get it right more times than I get it wrong. But they led by example. They showed us what it means to think and to live according to God's principles and standards. For Jesus to say is one thing. I mean, come on. He's the Son of God. But for Paul, <coughs> for Paul to say it, that's pretty bold for any human to say that. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, do it. Copy my example, as he's saying. And I thought, man, can I say that about me? Can we say that about ourselves? Copy our example? Or do we need to change some things about the example we're setting? Because we're setting an example, whether we realize it or not, good or bad. We're always setting an example. But if we would change the way we think sometimes and, and what our thoughts are fixed on sometimes, it would change the way we act and speak about ourselves. And it would change the way we act and speak towards others and how we act and speak towards God. But are we really willing to do that? Are we willing to live a life where our thoughts are fixed on God so he will keep us in his perfect peace? Is it worth it to you? Are we willing to live a life that is true, that, that is noble, that is right, that is pure and lovely and admirable? If so, the God of peace will be with us. And we should all want that. But let's remember some keys that open the door to God's peace that peace that passes understanding. Number one, prayer, right? Paul said it. Don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer. And petition, present your request to God. Whatever is troubling us, we need to take it to the Lord in prayer, amen? If we don't, we won't have his peace. 
Remember this old hymn? I know Travis knows it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit, right? Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we did not carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, it's so true. Don't forfeit his peace because you don't pray. Pray. And our prayer needs to be combined with thanksgiving. We bring our request to God with thanksgiving. Sometimes we're in a place of worry and fear we forget. We forget to count our blessings. We fail to acknowledge how good God's already been to us. Think about this. God has faithfully brought every one of us to this point today, December 18th, 2022, right? He's brought us to this point right now, right here. He's brought us through heartache. He's brought us through struggle and pain and suffering and dangers and obstacles. So we need to be thankful for his past provision and care over the years and be thankful for all the present blessings we enjoy. Another key to God's peace is what we just covered, our thought life up here. We need to think on those things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Too often we allow our, our minds to dwell on the negative stuff in our, in our lives and in the world. Paul commands us, think on these things. Think on the worthy stuff, on the positive stuff, not the negative stuff. I mean, we can't deny reality. There's a lot of negative stuff out there, and sometimes we've got to deal with it, but not to dwell on it. Another key that opens the door of God's peace is obedience to his word. There are at least three ways that our obedience leads to peace. Number one, when we obey God's word, we'll avoid many of the pitfalls in this life that bring unnecessary heartache. Right? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Unnecessary heartache. When we apply the teachings of Christ to our lives, we'll experience more of his peace. Psalm 119 says, those who love your law have great peace. Those who love your law have great peace. True peace comes to us when we, we know in our hearts that we're living by, by biblical principles and by his truth. Some of the most frustrated and miserable people I know are Christians who are not living by God's principles. They're walking in rebellion, and they know it, and they're miserable, and they're restless, and they're edgy because there's very little peace in their lives. Obedience gives us a, a clear conscience, a, and a, a, clear con, a clear and clean conscience promotes peace of mind. Right? You can rest better. Third key is putting others ahead of ourselves. Loving others more than we love ourselves. Like I said earlier, we know, I know it's hard because we're selfish by nature. So it's hard. See, the teachings of Christ really emphasize looking beyond ourselves, serving others. The more we take our focus off ourselves and our difficulties and our afflictions and what we want and put more focus on how we can glorify God by blessing and serving others, the more of God's peace we'll experience in our lives. He said we would. I believe him. The Apostle Paul also prayed for the believers in Thessalonica to experience this wonderful peace that comes from the Lord. Look at, look at his prayer here in 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 16. He says, now may the Lord of peace himself give you his peace. When? At all times and in every situation. The Lord be with you all. At all times. 
I just want to know all times in every situation. That's my prayer for all of us. Not just during the Advent season as we prepare for Christmas, but that we would have God's peace at all times and in every situation. <coughs> Excuse me. So as we prepare for Christmas next Sunday, we're not going to meet, remember, but as we're preparing for Christmas, as we're preparing to celebrate his first coming, the first arrival, the first Advent, remember that's where that word Advent comes from, a Latin word meaning arrival. As we prepare to celebrate his first Advent, let's also prepare, anticipate his second Advent, because there won't be a third Advent. He's only coming back this one time. And he's coming because he promised. And I hope everyone's ready. He's coming if we belong to him. Make sure you, you belong. Make sure you're in Christ and Christ is in you, okay? You want to talk about that? Stick around. You don't want to play around with eternity. It's a long time. Make sure that you are in Christ and that Christ is in you because in spite of our struggles, in spite of our hardships, in spite of our pain and heartache and disappointments, if we're in Christ and Christ is in us, then by faith, when things look hopeless, we can have hope because Christ is coming. And if we feel unloved or unlovely, we can have love. We can know that we're loved because Christ is coming. Louie, come on down, bro. Last week was a Sunday of joy, and I mentioned that verse in Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and I know we don't always feel like rejoicing, but even when we don't feel like rejoicing, we can rejoice. We can have joy because Christ is coming. And in a world of chaos... In a world of noise and anxiety and stress and confusion, we can have peace. We can have peace. Because through a personal, intimate relationship with Christ, we have a covenant of peace with our Heavenly Father. Our Abba, our, our Daddy, our Papa. And thank God Almighty, our Prince of Peace, Jesus, is coming. Right? As we get closer and closer to Christmas, and we get closer and closer to celebrating the birth of our, our Messiah, Jesus, the light of the world, and represented by these candles, the light, as you saw, we started with one candle four weeks ago. We got more light. The light increases and gets brighter and brighter. And when light increases, darkness has no choice but to decrease. And again, on this last Sunday of Admit, my prayer for us is that his light, the light of Christ, will keep increasing in our lives and that the darkness in our lives would keep decreasing. Amen? Man, I hope these four Advent messages have been meaningful to you. You know, we used to burn them on CDs, but now we're sophisticated. we got a podcast, so Chris takes care of that. And he's going to have all four of these on, on the JCF podcast. So if you'd like to rehear them or hear one you missed, by all means, check it out on Spotify or Google Podcasts. Remember, our Advent Conspiracy Jar on the Table is to help an orphanage in Ukraine get through another harsh winter so they don't starve to death or freeze to death. We're not meeting next Sunday, but we will meet January 1st. We'll celebrate Holy Communion together. Please stand. We're going to have a dismissal prayer. And I want to, I know Bobby, if she was here, would say the same thing. Have a blessed and merry, merry Christmas with your loved ones and family.
We'll see you back here in two weeks. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You're so good to us. You are the hope of the nations. <coughs> You're the lover of our souls. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And in you is fullness of joy. And you're the Prince of Peace. And you come to give us your peace, not the world's. <coughs> so thank you, Lord. As we've gone through Advent together, help us reflect, refocus, remind us what's really important, what's not. Bless every one of our homes with your joy, with your peace, with your love, with your hope. Provide in incre incredible ways for us, Lord, where we don't see a way. You're that good. Uh, you're, you're, you're more than enough. You're the God of more than enough. So thank you, Jesus, again for this day of all days. Uh, bless our households. Bless this family of joy, I pray in Christ's name. Amen and amen. <laughs>